so I'm driving in Manhattan and I'm driving up Fifth Avenue and you've been to New York. You can't walk down the street without bumping into shoulders with people. There was no one. It was like an apocalyptic film. I have never seen the streets of New York empty except for this one guy standing in the middle of the street playing racquetball against one of the buildings. And it was so eerie because I rolled my window down and you could hear the racquetball like echoing off the empty buildings around it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Selfie Show, you guys. That clip was from my guest at the show this week, Wendy Steiner. We're continuing on with our series of Diary of the Frontline Provider. On this episode, we're going to be talking to this amazing NICU nurse, a dear friend of mine, a colleague turned COVID frontline provider. Today, we're going to be deep diving into her journey moving across the country to New York City during the heat of this pandemic. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tori Maskin, and I am the founder of the Nurse Tori Selfie Show. We are a platform on a mission to make healthcare hip one selfie at a time. I'm pretty confident that this episode is not going to leave a dry eye. Um, I just went through and we were editing through the episode, and it's weird because when I was recording it with her, I think I was so concentrated on you know, what she was saying. And then I went back and I just let myself really listen to her words and I I got emotional. So this is probably one of my longest awaited series of interviews. I really actually wanted to wait a little while. Um, I would have loved to bring these to you guys in time while they were working um, back east during the time of this pandemic, but I really wanted to honor, first of all, their time working there because, first of all, working in healthcare period is is very energy draining, and I couldn't imagine what they were going through during the pandemic. So, I wanted to wait a little while as well because I was a little hesitant just from a PTSD standpoint. I really didn't want to trigger anything and I wanted them to really be able to speak to their experiences confidently. So we're continuing on. So this is a little different take on our episode from last week. Vanessa's episode was based around her experience as a NICU nurse who turned adult frontline provider. So this week we're going to focus on Wendy's experience. Wendy is a NICU nurse and travel nurse who left her job in California to take an assignment in New York City during the heat of this pandemic. And she is really going to be pulling at your heartstrings today. You're going to hear her emotional account of being a NICU nurse in New York during this pandemic, her amazing say yes attitude and taking journeys as a nurse, exploring new frontiers. You're going to hear her account of working with and supporting New Yorkers in its sickest moment. This is such a special time in history to be a nurse and to hear her positive message to the world about her experience. You guys, seriously, this is this is a good one. And I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did recording it. So without further ado, let's dive in. Oh, I'll just have a southern accent. I always go into accent when I'm around the southern accent for some reason feel free to make fun of me on the air because you cannot offend me no I love that (laughs) like secretly I actually feel like okay I definitely am the person that I would love to be just I should have been born a southern belle Uh uh-huh right like I want to wake up in the morning with my coffee and draw draw the curtains and have a little bit of light and start my silk 
Yes. Rope, day rope. And then I want to say something like, bless your heart. (laughs) And then have a Millie moment where I'm really saying, eat my shit. (laughs) That's the moment I want to have. Mic drop. Yep, mic drop. (laughs) Big hair. I mean, I think I was meant to be in the South. Oh, yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. The bigger the hair, the closer to God. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for coming in today, Wendy. I'm so excited. I love you. Oh, my God, you guys. Okay, so this is such a treat for me. Um, Okay, so my brain's going all over the place. First of all, how are you doing? How are you holding up? I am doing... I'm doing really well. Mm. Um, I have been back home and back at work since, like, the end of May and just kind of been adjusting back. And, yeah, Mm. I'm doing great. Rested up and... We're glad to have you home. Yeah. Okay, so this is super treat for me. So originally we met as travelers, mm-hmm. and we've actually worked in a couple hospitals together. Mm-hmm. So we just—I don't know—we've always vibed together. We've so much fun. And but for, so for people who don't know you, let's hear the spiel. Where are you from? What's your background? So I am originally from Alabama, okay. um, from the other LA, Lower Alabama. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> grew up in Mobile, um, couldn't wait mm-hmm. to get out of there. I went to college there, like my whole life was there. And so about a year and a half into my nursing career, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready to go travel. So I, I have left there, been gone for over 10 years and yeah, but that's where I'm from. Okay, so where did you go to nursing school? Let's hear a little bit about that. So I went to nursing school at USA, University of South Alabama. And uh, I went, um, they had a little satellite campus in the most like picturesque little bay town called mm. Fairhope. And so I um, went to nursing school there and loved it and it was a great experience. Good school. Do you feel like you were always good in school? I love posing this question. Mm-hmm. What's your... I, um, I've i always been kind of naturally... I've always gotten good grades. I'm not, like, naturally a student. Um, mm. Like, I was quintessentially the kid that my locker was... My books were left in my locker. I went home, and then I would do my homework for the next class in that class, and then <laughs> go to my next class and do the next class homework. And so... Yeah. Um, you had a good system going. I had a good system going. Okay. Um, I don't know how I got through <laughs> high school and then went to college, but even when I went to college, um, I actually did pre-med. And oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So I finished the pre-med track, but I got a B in organic chemistry. So oh, yeah. I was like, mm. I'm out. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy to me, like the standard for med school right yes. now. It's nuts. I was a chemistry tutor and yeah. I just like didn't feel... Like, I could, I had the grades to go to med school. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. I mean, and I talk about this all the time. Like, I even, to get into nursing school, had Mm -hmm. to retake classes. And it's just, yeah, the standard is so high. Yes. But it was a blessing in disguise. I would not trade being a nurse for the world. And um, now that I work with doctors, God love them. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be one. Right. It's... (laughs) realty here people okay bless their heart bless your heart <laughs> bless their little heart oh yeah i'm like you know it's i like my lifestyle uh-huh. i like the 312s coming in not having to it's a totally different workflow it's a totally different you know i mean i'm here for it and thank god we have people mm-hmm. who want to go through med school but i just oof, thank god oof. so growing up do you feel like you had 
like a role model or did you Mm. have someone that you, I mean, you became a nurse, but was there someone that you were looking up to that you were like, that's what I want to be like? Yes. So, um, I had a great childhood, first of all. And so we were like really poor, but my parents were always really good about taking us on trips and we grew up Mm. camping and like, you know, I mean, we did everything on a dime, but we did so much stuff. But I would say my role model is probably my grandmother. She is 82 years old, greatest generation, and she is one of the most independent women that I know. And she does it with like so much grace. Like she, if you asked her, she wouldn't even know she was independent. She just has had to do things and she just does them. And so she actually, I just bought a property and she's 82 years old and she was, um, I I, I needed to put a fence around it for my dog. She came over. She was the brains. I was the brawn. We dug the fence post holes. We nailed the nails. We screwed the screws and we put a fence up around. I love that. You know, what's funny. I agree with you. My, my grandma and my grandpa were both from that generation Mm -hmm. as well. And my grandma's the feistiest. Holy smokes. I'm like, sometimes, you know, it's to her detriment sometimes. I'm like, okay, you need to chill and let us do this for you. But Mm -hmm. I really love that. I feel like my grandma's also very independent. Yes. Like she's um, 85, maybe 86. And she literally up until the pandemic was traveling around the world. Yes. She just, she was still going places. She wanted to go to Paris. We were supposed to go to Paris this year Mm -hmm. and with our family. And, you know, she's still, she'll go by herself. She won't even, she doesn't need us to go with her. Mm -hmm. She can do it herself. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. So going back to your nursing, Mm -hmm. um, did you always know you wanted to be a NICU nurse? Like how did this, let's talk about that a little bit. How did you come to that? So like I said, I did pre-med and, um, didn't really was really burned out by like the end of my second year of college so I switched to chemistry and I was like what can I do with all of this science that I've taken um and then I switched to pre-pharmacy and I don't know what why I was so resistant to the idea of nursing school but I just was and so I changed these majors all this time and then I finally was like ready to be done with school and I was like I'm just going to apply to nursing school and so I really like when I say it was a blessing in disguise, it was a blessing in disguise. It was not on my radar. Mm. And so I applied to nursing school, got in and I started the program. And uh, by the end of it, I was like, if I have to be an adult nurse, I will leave work crying. Totally. (laughs) I think every NICU nurse feels that way. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, When I did my PEDS rotation, I got a little bit of hope. Like I loved Peds Oncology. I oh, yeah. I just those kids just touched my heart so much. Um, but then I did a day in the NICU, and I was like, I friggin' love this. Oh yeah, it is like a little gem of the world. Yes, totally. It's and and they say you know like there's a there's like you said there's niches everywhere in nursing, mm-hmm. and NICU is my bread and butter. I just totally. I love it. I don't know if I could do anything else in nursing. Yeah. I've dabbled in other things like. Well, I feel like a lot. I, I feel like I'm the oddball, right? Uh-huh. I'm the oddball NICU nurse. Like pretty much anyone who I talk to is like, I, you know, I tell them, you know, I went to critical care float pole. Mm-hmm. They look at me like I have five heads. Mm-hmm. They're like, why would you do that? You know, and I'm, I think I'm the odd one. Most NICU nurses, I would say, really, really love what they do. Mm-hmm. I do actually think more recently there's a little bit more burnout, but yeah. 
I do feel like most NICU nurses just love their niche. That's yeah. where they want to be. And there's no other unit for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this is what you love. Mm-hmm. Totally. So diving into the NICU role a little bit, mm-hmm. what are some qualities that you feel like a NICU nurse should possess or are the top qualities, do you think? Well, I think the top qualities that a NICU, most NICU nurses possess <laughs> are that um, we can be kind of mama bears yeah. with our, with our yeah, patients. That's a good um, one. Mm-hmm. I have, I've just in floating or like visiting other people in the hospital or, you know, like I always kind of try to take note of how, what like qualities the other, other nurses and other niches have. Right. And I don't know, I haven't seen any other nurses that will like crawl all over a patient, a, a to, patient or a doctor, even to a doctor or a, mm-hmm, yes, or a surgeon to, to advocate for their patients. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like is really unique to NICU nursing. Um, we have so much autonomy as NICU nurses. And so yeah, I think a quality that a NICU nurse has to have is um, some thick skin and, but also just a willingness to, um, I almost, I almost want to say a bravery mm-hmm. to really like stand up for your patient yeah. um, because we know them mm-hmm. like the back of our hand better than even their own parents do. Yeah. And that's kind of like a hard spot to be in. And it's something very different than other nursing roles. I would agree. I think that that's, and that comes with time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do have, I mean, tuning into the newer NICU nurses, mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely something that comes with time where you literally just understand it's you can speak baby, you can speak, you know, you look at their, you know, there's so many different aspects that we're looking at Mm -hmm. daily. And, you know, to be to be able to speak confidently, you know, to a medical team and to, you know, really give your opinions, you know, and advocate, it takes time, but it's definitely something I would say in the NICU, we do daily because mm-hmm. you're working on micro level everything yes. you know you're working on um, a patient who cannot tell you this is how I'm feeling this is what's going on like we have to really read signs like you know of what's going on clinically and that that's a I think that's a skill in itself I, I also yeah. feel um, very respected as a NICU nurse by other team members almost like there's a level of equality like they they depend on Mm -hmm. our what we think is going on with our patients yes and they make decisions based off of of of, of what we think and I feel so empowered by that as a nurse yeah Um, I will say that's a really unique and wonderful part of our unit Mm -hmm. um and that's pretty much across the board in every NICU Mm -hmm. I will say some NICUs are a little better than others as far as like the team dynamic. Um, I have worked in some NICUs where it's a little more standardized or, you know, it's your, you know, I, I think a big aspect of maybe something you could speak to too is when you get to know your doctors and you get to know your team and your flow, it's so much easier. You know, when people can really, when they know you can handle this, when they know where you're talking about it. And I do, I have met some resistance in other units where like, if they don't know you, you know, it's a little bit harder, but I do think that's a really unique part of our, of our population for sure. I would totally agree. Um, And a big part, I mean, as far as our patients, it's just, you know, avocation is huge. Least favorite 
favorite part of being a NICU nurse. Let's go there. Top and your highs and your lows of being a NICU nurse. Mm. My probably my favorite part of being a NICU nurse, and this is going to sound so cheesy, especially because, you know, nurses, we're scientists, but we're scientists with heart, right? So I, um, I really love um, being able the 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 touch that we give. Um, I love touching my patients, holding them, Mm -hmm. comforting them engaging with them even as babies like I just love that connection Mm -hmm. um that we have with our patients um as well as our families like we see um a mother in probably the hardest position she'll ever be in in her life 100 percent. and I never really realized it I think until my sister had a baby in the NICU Mm. and so I kind of like guided her through that but I also saw the perspective of a family member Mm -hmm. for the first time and um, her having to leave her son at the hospital was probably one of the hardest things like even for you even for me that I've had to witness like it was just so crushing and so I always try to carry that with me when I'm caring for someone's baby like they are this is their life they're Mm -hmm. they've carried this baby they are so connected to this baby and this is the first time that they are disconnected yeah and um i can't even begin to imagine how hard that is and so like just i just try to put myself in their shoes and care for the baby like they were my own baby yeah that's definitely something i feel like i talked about in vanessa's episode of like we do have those moments as nikki nurses is getting jaded Mm -hmm. but going back to those and tuning into those moments is Mm -hmm. super important the only perspective i have from that that is I haven't had a NICU or like a baby because obviously I don't we don't have children yet mm-hmm. and n- no one in my family has had had babies yet however my brother was in not one but two car accidents and one mm-hmm. of which ended him up in an adult trauma hospital ICU neuro ICU and just the feeling of being completely helpless it's such a weird feeling and I feel like that's what our families go through they go through that feeling of I literally can't do or don't know what to do in this moment um and we get to guide them through that and that's actually that's a huge honor totally so that's probably my favorite part is like you literally almost become part of the family yeah you do that you're caring for Mm -hmm. And they're with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you develop those relationships. I'm still, you know, I love seeing how our babies grow up. And, you know, my first associate that I ever had, she's, what, seven now? Holy smokes. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And then Mine she's would doing be great. preteens. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I get to, like, see how they're doing. It's, it's a really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Probably my least favorite part um, would be kind of piggybacking off of that I guess is when um you don't have like that good experience I guess that you were hoping for Mm -hmm. and so um it still is a very special even though it's my least favorite I would say it's still a very special thing to be a part of um is you know when you, you you have to be a part of saying goodbye to yeah. a baby mm-hmm. um it's something that they'll never forget and I've I've had patients that I've kind of been through that with that you know they were there for a day but they will like find me on oh, social yeah. media and send me yeah a message Same. Uh, like they remember mm-hmm. they will always remember that and yeah. um 
So even though I would say that's the hardest part, it's still like a very special, like sacred Mm -hmm. thing that only a NICU nurse gets to experience. I think all of, well, and not, it's ironic because I don't think every nurse, every NICU nurse will go through that. Mm -hmm. Um, You can literally go through your whole career and never have to do postmortem care. I don't know why, but I was actually really drawn to it in the beginning. I really, I agree with you. It's such a sacred time and it is something that we do as NICU nurses. It's a part of our, it's a part of our care. You're going to have the beginning of life and end of life very quickly in a short amount of time, potentially. And, um, I mean, I remember all of mine where uh, I was the one zipping the body bag. And that is a very real part of what we do. And I would agree with you. It's the hardest part. It's also the most sacred part. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. It's like, you know, you in those moments and those really, really heavy moments, like being that, I really do cherish being there with the families. It's really special and um, heart-wrenching, but yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, it's and it's something I haven't forgotten either. Like, I still remember them. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. too. Um, so moving forward into your nursing career. So you made the decision to start travel nursing, and I want to get specific here because everybody always wants to know about a travel nurse. So... How did this start? What was the decision? Let's get all the juicy deets here. (laughs) Okay. So um, one thing I have to say about the South is that if you're not married by the age of 25, you are uh, just old maid grandma. Yes. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Dried up eggs. (laughs) Yeah. So when I turned 25, I was like, okay, it's time for me to get out of (laughs) here. You're like, peace out. Peace out. This grandma is gone. Bye. (laughs) Yes, queen. <laughs> I love it. So um, kind of around that time, uh, a friend of mine that was also working with me, we had gone to nursing school together. We were in the NICU together. Um, and she's like, let's let's go. I have she had she had graduated a like six months before me. So mm-hmm. she had her two years. And I was like, I only have 18 months. And I applied and they're they're like they took us. Yeah. So we act, we went to California. I picked the furthest place I could. So in my orientation, I met this, uh, I met another, a travel nurse that was my age, single like me. Love Her it. name is Suzanne. Mm. She, that same weekend, we went to Napa. So, so fun. I, I started living my best life for Aww. sure. You go, girl. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? The whole point. Yes. So, yes. I See definitely places. have no regrets. Good. As far as that front goes. How, I mean, as far as assignments, we're all, you know, state-wise, where have you traveled to? Because I know you've been Whew. all over. I've been all over. So, Northern California, Southern California, of course. Um, Charleston, mm. Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, I did a little stint in Minnesota. This was actually a really fun year. 2016 was my year. Oh, hey. <laughs> Okay, let's go there. What, 2016? 2015 into 2016. So 2015, I tore my ACL. I was in Denver. Denver Denver was one of the places I went, but I wound up staying staff there for like four years. Um, I tore my ACL in a skiing accident, and that was a real low point in my life. Like, I, I, I finally had time to, like, settle down, and I was like, I just don't like where I'm at. Hmm. And same friend that I left Mobile with, um, 
for the first time when we went travel nursing, she when I settled in Colorado, she settled in Hawaii. Oh. And she was always trying to get me to come out there. But I was like, no, I love Denver. I love my job. Well, I did not at that point. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're like, and I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Sure enough, she called me up and like, they were having these once in a lifetime, like ridiculous paying assignments in Hawaii. And I was like, that's it. I'm quitting my job. I quit my job. Oh my God. That's the dream. It was the dream. Yeah. I drove my car to San Francisco. I shipped it from there to Hawaii. Oh. I lived there for eight months. First of all, is that pricey? <laughs> like how much does it cost to ship your car to Hawaii? Okay, Tori, you know me and I'm always looking for a deal. Yeah, you are. I know. <laughs> I know. So how did you do this? So a lot of people would go to Hawaii, buy a car and then sell it. Yeah. Or there's like this one like shady guy that would rent you a car for like, that would barely run for like 450 a month. I'm kind of here for that though. Okay. And so I, I crunched all the numbers. You know me. You yeah, know me. yeah. You're really good at that. I don't know how you do it. You always find, you have a, you have someone for everything. Mm-hmm. You're the person that goes, we go to Wendy to be like, Hey Wendy, like, how do you do this? And you're like, Oh, I got a guy. I got the guy. You're like, okay, all right. I know. His name's Sal. His name's Sal. It's always Sal. No, really. His name was Sal. Mike. One time. Yeah. Anyway. Um, So you. So I drove the car. The car to ship it cost me about, I want to say, 1500 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. And then I sold it on the island. So I was there for eight months. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So the math comes. So they just keep resigning you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I want to get specific on your last assignment. Okay. Um, and the reason why everyone here is listening today, because I think you <laughs> have such um, a remarkable account of your experience in New York. Mm-hmm. So you were a NICU nurse that took an assignment in New York. Can you maybe talk us through... Maybe first, what were your fish, uh, your first initial thoughts of the whole situation with the pandemic and COVID? What were your initial thoughts? So my initial thoughts were, um, I'm always a skeptic. Like, I'm just always a skeptic. So sorry if that annoys people. <laughs> no, I, I think we all are, right? I mean, I think every single person, medical, if you really tune into what you were thinking at the time, you're like, eh, is it really going to be that bad? Right. Totally. Like, so I no way in, you yeah, can predict this. Totally. So I would come into work and all the RTs were like, we're gonna all going to get this. We're all going to. And I'm just like, eh, what's the stock market look like? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> You're like, am I investing in the right place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tesla okay. yeah. would have, could have, should have. All right, yeah, darn it. Why didn't, what were we thinking? Um, um, but as time went on and this really evolved, um, I kind of early on like saw what was happening in New York and I love New York. I like go to New York at least once a year for my birthday or for something. I love Central Park. I love New York. I've done an assignment in New York. I lived on the Upper West Side, like a block from Central Park. I love that city. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw just kind of like the situation there getting more and more bleak, I really wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I remember the week you were like talking about it. Yes. You and I were kind of talking and you were like, I think I'm going to go. So let's talk more about the realness of this. Like, was there a moment where you felt the realness of this pandemic? Yes. Um, The first week I was there, um, 
I called a friend that was coming and I was like, this, this is real. Like, this is really happening. This is really hard. Um, it was the hardest thing. That was something that actually really surprised me because I'm kind of just resilient. Like you throw me into a situation and I just kind of morph and adapt into it. Right. And, um, and so I feel like there's nothing I can't handle, <laughs> but totally, um, you are very much that way. And I can speak to that. Mm. Yeah. But sure. that first week that I was there, I, I called my friend. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And so um, the first off day I had, so I worked five in a row. My first week there, like I started and I didn't stop until um, like five or six days in with orientation. Dang. And I just like sat on the couch and like for the first time I could gather myself because, you know, when you're in like a, when you're in the trenches and in the battle per se, um, you, all you can think about is like survival, I guess. Yeah. And so when, when it was done and I woke up that next morning and I just sat on the couch, I just started crying and I, I I couldn't stop. It was like weeping. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like, it all just kind of hit me at once. And I could finally like have that moment to like cope with what had happened to me that first week and what I had seen and what just the heavy weight of it all. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was probably my moment. So when you landed to give a picture of it, um, cause I think uh, many people are familiar with the idea of like how travel nursing kind of works. This is obviously we're in pandemic times. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that first week? Like, what was it like as like, what was your orientation like and starting on the unit? Mm. Can you speak to that a little? So um, first, I'll just kind of I'll just kind of tell you, like, what it was like landing in New York City. Yeah. Um, Let's start from square one. There we go. Square one. Okay. Because it was like. that's when the shock started that's when the reality probably started setting in was Mm -hmm. when I landed in New York City there was no one in the airport and New York LaGuardia is like one of the busiest airports in the world and there was no one there um but me and um then I um Hertz had given me a rental car for a month and so I was I went to Hertz I picked up the rental car drove to the place in Brooklyn where I was going to be staying. And then I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just take a drive to see, cause you know, driving in New York, I've never, I've been there many times, but I've never driven in New York. I was like, let me see how long it'll take, which way I need to go. Like what, where the hospital is. I always do that. My first, the first day before my assignment, I'll always take a trip to see what it's going to be like. Scope, scope everything out. Scope it out. Um, Totally. So I'm driving in Manhattan and I'm driving up fifth Avenue and you've been to New York, mm-hmm. you can't walk down the street without bumping into shoulders with people. There was no one. It was like an apocalyptic film. I have never seen the streets of New York empty, except for this one guy standing in the middle of the street playing racquetball against one of the buildings. And it was so eerie because I rolled my window down and you could hear the racquetball like echoing off the empty buildings around it. And that was just like, that is that moment is etched in my mind because it it was literally something out of an apocalyptic movie. Totally. It's like zombie apocalypse. Yes. That's just like it's crazy. Everything's gray and yeah. I mean, can you dive into the process of working as a travel nurse um during this pandemic? 
You know what I love? Simple, chic spaces. And there is no better time to be talking about this. So many of us are working from home, teaching kids at home, grad school, undergrad. We're all in this new wave of nesting. And the one thing that we can all do to help our mindset is create a beautiful space to live in, a space that represents you, your vibes, and your life. One way to achieve this is with a stunning gallery wall. Since the origination of Tips from Tori, you guys know I love sharing all my tips with you. And I actually shared my first gallery wall with you guys a few years ago, and that one has been saved on my story since. Fast forward more recently, I have been wanting to spruce up my office space. I'm working from home now more than ever between the blog and of course podcasting. I'm really utilizing that space a lot, but it can be really difficult between trying to find the correct sizing, the looks, the pictures, the sayings. I just want it to be all chic, nice looking. I'm sort of going for that California boho vibe and I have the answer. I discovered this company during this pandemic and I have to share it with you, Decenio. This is an affordable Scandinavian poster company who offers a wide selection of posters, frames, and styles to suit everyone's needs. Whether you want to pick and choose your posters a la carte or purchase one of their amazingly curated gallery walls, I'll just tell you how fun it is and easy to spruce up your space with these framed posters. And I'm talking office spaces, living rooms, she sheds, nurseries, man caves. They have an aesthetic for everyone. Decenio also ships to the US within five days. It was super easy, you guys. I picked out my prints and the posters and had them at my doorstep four days later. So let's get to the good stuff. If you are interested in sprucing up your space, head over to www.decenio.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 30% off of your prints. I also highly recommend their Instagram. That's at D-E-S-E-N-I-O. My office space was actually inspired by one of the pictures on their Instagram. And you guys, I seriously, it's just all the things I want to live in their Instagram. This code is going to be valid until July 23rd. Code does not apply to frames or hand-picked personalized prints. I will tell you guys, I had so much fun getting creative with this. It was definitely sort of a mental breather for me and I love creating fun spaces. So again, use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E for 30% off of your prints. And again, if you wanna see the whole creative process, I have it saved in my highlight story on my Instagram. So without further ado, you guys, let's get back into the show. Yeah, so, um... Obviously, everyone was just figuring this out as they went along. We've never experienced anything like this. And so, of course, the they did the best they could, but like our orientation was just hit the hit the ground running. Like Did you even get a day? Like how did that cuz normally, okay, typically you get like what, 2 days as a traveler usually. Mm-hmm. Did you even get that? So, I got <laughs> Which I'm not saying like, okay, here's the thing. I mean, you're, we're in a t- pandemic, but uh-huh. you know, how did you feel in the transition process? So my orientation was that I had an uh, a resource nurse. So I was given, my orientation was that I had one patient and then I could have a resource okay. with that nurse who also had a patient, um, which is kind of unheard of. And then my first shift off orientation, 
I had, which was one day, I had a jet. Oh, dear Lord. So, okay, let's translate that. Uh, intubated for everyone and most likely... Last ditch effort. One of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you probably had a super... The long story short, it's a super sick patient. Yes. Right away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is not always... That's typically not the case. No. Um, you normally would not get the most acute baby on the unit your first day off orientation. Can you <laughs> dive into maybe why that was the case? So when I arrived there, um, they had just had a staff member pass away. They had been from COVID. They had been working. Um, I, I mean, this, this pandemic in New York, I think they said at the end of it, like 20% of the nursing staff working in New York were actual nurses in New York. Like they brought in a huge amount of reinforcements because people were sick. Their family members were sick. They were working around the clock. Like the nurses in New York needed relief. Yeah. And so, so we you were, were there coming in yes. as relief. That was my mindset. So yeah. I didn't mind taking the jet. I'm totally. Like, what do you need me to do? Yeah. Doesn't matter what you're going to throw me in. I want to be a help yes. to the unit. Yeah. And so some people came in to it, unfortunately, that didn't have that mindset and they did not make it very long. Like, if you're going to be a relief nurse or a um you got to fly crisis, by the seat of your pants you have to you show up and yeah. you say what do you need me to do mm-hmm. and um i mean literally this is war like yeah. we're we're battling a deadly 100%. virus you were thrown into literally a war yeah yeah you were battling i mean it's that's kind of what i equate it to to everyone who's listening i mean during vanessa's i cut finding myself saying that you're literally battling a war yeah the first week i got there they had the death spike in new york 799 people died in one day in new york um that's crazy it's crazy i mean when you really when you grasp that mentally that's a whole high school like that is (sighs) you know when you really think about like that as you know when you put it into perspective i think we get so easy about talking about statistics and everything but i'm like when you really get down to that that is so many people i've never thought about it that way like that was my high school i grew i graduated with probably about 700 or there were 700 people in my entire high school i graduated with 99 but that's just that whoa you know wow that just put that in perspective for me i hadn't thought about that it's It's craziness yeah so you were coming in as relief basically i was coming in as relief just to give you a little more perspective, at this hospital on any given day, there were 20 intubated patients, according to the RT. At that time during the pandemic, there were 125. Wow. So if you think about the resources. How do you even need, have that many ventilators? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know where they got the ventilators. I don't know where they, you know, we were short on all supplies all the time. We just did not have the resources. They just weren't there. So you were surviving. So it was survival nursing for sure. It was hard. I I can only imagine. Um, What was it like being in New York during this time? So that um, was actually probably the shining light of my experience was that I just discovered that in a crisis, no one pulls together like New Yorkers. Those yeah. people are amazing. I love them with my whole heart. They loved me. Um, I, I felt so cared for by New Yorkers. And uh, 
super cool. Oh, that's amazing. It, it brings tears to my eyes. All of the, the things that I experienced, just the little kindnesses that I experienced. Like one day I was in the subway and my subway card would not work. It had gotten scratched or something. And this man that didn't even speak English was like, here, I'll, and he just Aww. swiped it for me and let me through because he saw that I was wearing oh you know, uh, uh, scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. I could just tell countless stories like so that. So many just... things over and over. I want to deep dive into the specifics of living in New York during this time. So where did you live, first of all? How did this, wh- how do you even choose where to live? I got so lucky. Um, I don't even like to use the word lucky. I am so blessed. I'll say that. Um, I was connected through a friend's sister's friend through this girl named Kata. Mm. She lived in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, in this like cute little boho loft. And she um, was furloughed while she was on vacation with her roommate in Costa Rica. And so she was like, well, I'm just going to stay. So <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I'm not coming back. Peace out. I'm going to drink my, my drinks on the beach and hang out while everything smooths over. <laughs> oh, yeah. She didn't want to come back, actually. Yeah, I don't she did not. <laughs> um, but she offered me her apartment to stay in. And she was like, just anything I can do to help, like, you can stay in my apartment. And- oh, wow. So that was the first blessing um, was I, I didn't have to stay in a hotel. Um, and there were so many, like Hilton was giving free hotel rooms to healthcare workers um, for seasons. I think Airbnb was like supposedly doing a discount. I don't know anyone that got that, but um, <laughs> yeah, about that. Airbnb, there's, come on. There's a lot of like, hey, we're giving this, but yeah. no one really ever Hertz, got it. Hertz did though, right? Your rental Hertz, car. Hertz gave me a free rental That's car for awesome. a month. And when I came in Shout to out. pick up the rental car, they upgraded me. Oh, yeah, awesome. like just so, so nice. Um, uh, and they were, the employees at Hertz were so grateful, so kind. Um, so I got the apartment, I got the rental car. So I was there for eight weeks. At the end of the eight weeks, at the end of the four weeks when I had to return the rental car, it couldn't have been more perfect. Like it had just warmed up a little bit in New York. It wasn't as dreary. And City Bikes gave all of the nurses at New York City Health free bike access for a year. So I started riding bike back and forth. Yeah, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah, so that was cool. Um, So how did you do laundry? Okay, this is actually the sweetest little story. So that first like hard week when I just sat on the couch and cried. <laughs> You're like, let's go there. One of the reasons I was crying was because I didn't have any scrubs. Oh yeah. You're and like, and I'm out. Work the next day. I wish you had told me. I would have sent you some Barco. You should have told me. Oh my gosh. No. I did pick up an extra set of scrubs. Katie Duke literally gave me a oh, pair of scrubs off her back. Love you, Katie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sweet. Um, but I was just kind of yelping. I, I couldn't, I literally was sitting on the couch crying. I couldn't move. And so I was yelping like what laundromats were open and just like trying to muster up enough to like go to the laundromat before it closed. And I was, I was actually really scared to like go around New York City because I just knew like people, this was a desperate time and people were sick and people were scared. And, yeah, you know, I just didn't know what to expect. I wasn't familiar with where I was. Anyway, so I just right. was like, maybe I can hire a laundry service. I was ex- beyond exhausted mentally yeah. at that point. So mm-hmm. I called 
this this guy named this business called Laundry Taxi. And this this New Yorker answers the phone with this thick New York accent. And he's like, this is Sal. And it's always Sal. a Sal. It's Sal, by the Sal. way. It really was Sal. There's your guy. <laughs> and I was like, hey, are you open? Like, can I bring my laundry? Can you pick it up? And yeah. it's like the earliest time slot I have. Sorry, I can't help but do Sal's accent when I talk mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> the earliest time slot I have is tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that's not going to work. I need my scrubs by, you know, such and such a day. I'll just come in. He's like, wait, are you a nurse? And I said, yes. And he said, where do you live? And I told him, and he's like, I can be there in 30 minutes and I'll have your scrubs back to you tomorrow morning. Oh, my God. And so he comes back, picks up my scrubs. Wow sweet Sal and he was the next day he was bringing them back to me and he was like hey here's your bill and he sent me a picture of the bill and it said no charge this time thanks for all that you do that is seriously that's New York for you it's New York isn't it like I feel like that's literally how they band together you know as a city yeah they do they really do and they take care of their own yeah they so, do uh, nurses like one of the most moving things i experienced there was every night at seven o'clock and i'm talking i was in brooklyn i wasn't even in manhattan so all over new york city these people would go out on their balconies they couldn't go anywhere do anything they, they were really holed up in their little yeah lofts and apartments and things like that they would go out on their balconies. They would be banging pots. Their dogs would be barking. They would be cheering like they were at a New York Nets game. That's what it sounded like you over know, the whole city I know you, at 7 p.m. You have a workers. video that like mm-hmm. literally brought chills to me. Like I had goosebumps watching it for everything that you went through. I feel like people, they wanted to, you know, let you know they're there mm-hmm. with you, you know. Yeah, I kind of had that little moment too because, you know, all of the, I heard it for the first time. I was sitting on the couch in the in the loft and you know, we changed shifts at 7. So I never got to hear it except one day I was off and I heard it so loud. I was like, "What is that at first? And then I went and looked out the window and I just like threw the window open. And I was like, "Thank you, New York." Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I know it's really special. Yeah. So how did you do? I mean, cuz you're doing a you're doing this all during a pandemic. How did you do grocery shopping and food? Like, what was your workflow with this? Mm. So I kind of got it down. Okay. Um, I went to like a supermarket. You, unless you had a whole day, which I did not ever have a whole day because <laughs> we worked so much. But it, the lines would be wrapped around the building. I'm talking like two times i mean it was crazy the amount of people trying to get groceries and just even like cvs you'd be sitting there for hours in the cold and so i found like this little market by my house and i just like came up with some recipes you get creative <laughs> you just like go with noodles a cup of noodle uh-huh yeah cereal i, I have uh, my cajun white beans and rice recipe yeah anybody wants it we'll write up a blog with i'll all give it to you <laughs> So good. You just get creative. You do what you got to do. Yes. So I ate a lot of rice and beans. That was actually something very therapeutic for me was being able to cook. Oh, good. Um, So I I cooked all my meals pretty much. Um, The Mexican place at the end of the corner had margaritas to go. So I was taken care of in that aspect. Um. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Love that. Obviously need that covered too. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So... 
I, I kind of just got to know the little businesses right around that. That's also the good thing about New York is like on your block, there's everything like right. Sal was like one block up <laughs> for lunch. Yeah, it's easy because everything's kind of around you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as far as um, I want to get really detailed here, because you were there for six weeks. So can you from from wake up in the morning, you wake up, right? And what was your day like? from start to finish when you work, when you were working on the unit? I worked night shift. And so when I say I work night shift, I mean, I've never worked night shift like this. Like I was on a night shift schedule the whole time I was there because there was nothing for me to get up to during the day. I was there all alone. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. So I literally just stayed on the night shift schedule. So, um, I would, you know, wake up, you know, have a meal. I would try and FaceTime someone from my family have you know just to get a little little family in yeah um and then I would drive to work um when I got off in the morning I would come in and I would just like strip down right there they had a can of Lysol, which you could not get. Ly- it was like yeah, gold. Oh my god, <laughs> Amazon! It was sold out. Sold out. Like Purell, yeah. no, no shot. TP, all those. Yeah, all those things were gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, Kata happened to have an entire can of Lysol. So sorry, yeah. Kata. I used all your Lysol. Sorry about it. I would spray everything down, and then I would go instantly and get in the shower. Yeah. Um, because I yeah just. I know. Yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah. And I didn't like, I I normally don't wash my hair every day. Sorry if that's TMI, but like I would wear scarves around my head to like, so I could just take the scarf off and, you know. Yeah. So you went in, so you get ready and you drive in Mm -hmm. and then what was the workflow as you're walking onto the unit? What was it like? So that's actually really interesting. Um, When all of this was happening, you know, a large majority of their nurses were actually not staff at this point because um, they were so so overloaded and so understaffed. Yeah, um, everybody was sick yeah. or had family members who were sick. So they would oftentimes, too, because of the nature of one of the um, agencies that was contracted by the state, they would kind of show up and they wouldn't know who was coming they didn't know what all staff they were going to have so they would literally make assignments by who showed up that night wow that was really interesting to me um especially when i first got there so they're like we have a body Mm -hmm. you can take this assignment exactly wow i one of the rumors i heard about one of the one of the hospitals in the system like one night um I think like six nurses showed up to the whole hospital and so they deployed a bunch of nurses there like it just was wild things like that just happened Crazy. yeah survival yeah totally what can you get to specifics about what it was like on the unit mm-hmm. so um the unit i was in was very acute and while covid doesn't i have not found that COVID affects babies nearly as much as it has the adult population. But for some reason, the NICU population at this particular hospital just exploded during this time. They they were getting so many transports from outer facilities that were closing their NICUs down. They, and these babies were sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And just coupled that with, 
you know, moms being a lot of moms being sick. So we had a lot of rollout babies. Um, it was just, it was like just a big cluster with what we were going to have, who we would be paired with and, but what could you do? Like you, that therein lies like the necessity of you being flexible as a nurse and you being willing to get your hands dirty. Yeah. Did you have like a shift that just sticks out in your mind as like the most memorable shift or something that you can speak to? Mm. Um, so one of my first nights there when I had the resource nurse, um, there was this, this one little baby and I just didn't think he was gonna make it through the night and his mom couldn't come in. She had other children. She was, you know, transportation was another big issue for people because a lot of New York is public transportation and a lot of the public transportation was not running. Mm -hmm. So these poor mamas would go home without their babies and then they couldn't even get to the hospital to to visit their baby. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I found myself as being even more of an advocate for, um, my patients than I normally would because they just, there was a physical barrier to being able to be together. Right. You know, between mom and baby. Um, So this one little guy, he just, I was, I mean, I was pushing blood products on him all night long. I just didn't think he was going to make it, but he was still, uh, he was kicking and screaming by the time I left. Good. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. So feisty little guy. So you just, well, those are the moments where you're like, you put in so much blood, sweat and tears. And the things that run through your head, you know, I mean, I think I've had that where, you know, you're like, I don't know if you're going to survive my shift, you know, and then here we are talking years later and then the baby's doing great. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Our unit's crazy like that. It is. Okay. So I wanted to go into a little bit more specifics about what was it like being a nurse in New York during this time? And so... um that was how what it was like being a nurse in New York at that time was just like people would look at you with stars in their in their eyes like they just were so appreciative and so loving of their healthcare workers and not just nurses but doctors and RTs and everyone working around the clock but for some reason they um, were really especially just loving toward their nurses and um, I guess I've never I've had many moments in my nursing career where I felt appreciated as a nurse but I've never felt loved and appreciated like that yeah I feel like a lot of nurses you know I've heard so many accounts where um nurses in the front line felt that you know especially in the sense of you know when you're the per we're not allowing family members at the bedside at least in the adult world and so you know the nurses were really the ones to be there for these people in their last breath and I think so many nurses are weighing heavy on that. And I think that is, it is really cool to hear that this city just really loved the people that had to do that over and over and over. And there are nurses that had to do that over and over and over. And not only that, had to pick up and continue on and take another patient and move on. It's a war zone. It's a literally a war zone. And I think it's, it is really cool to hear, you know, these stories, you know, of 
such a great city coming together for for the people who really wanted to try and you know help save it totally i totally agree yeah um so an interesting dynamic that i think um you battled um vanessa and i we talked about this about you know she really felt like her wife was the one that helped her through this and you didn't have that can you speak to that a little bit about what it was like going through this yeah absolutely um I, like I said, that first week was really like a shocker for me. Um, and I am kind of like, I guess, a lone wolf just in life. <laughs> yes, I'm girl. very introverted. Yeah. I'm very independent. independent. I travel a lot. I'm kind of a gypsy, free spirited kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so I don't normally have a significant other, but, um, I don't know what happened at this time, but my introvertedness was just not working for me. And um, I really, really liked what Vanessa said about self-care and about how she said, you know, when people would say, you're going to bring your wife with you like into this pandemic. And she was like, yeah, I need her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it re- that really hit home for me because I, I had that thought so many times when I was in New York, like I just need someone. I need support. I need to be cared for. I need to be affirmed and and talked through this and like just touched and all those things because if you think about it like we couldn't even touch each other like I couldn't even hug my friends during this pandemic and so that was something that I discovered I was really missing in my life and so um yeah that was really really tough yeah and I, I wonder if a lot of other people are feeling that right now that normally like that are single that normally get you know hugs from their friends or their family that can't even it's a huge dynamic right mm-hmm. you know i know um there's a couple other nurses that i know that also like you um were in the city and i it's it, uh, you know i don't know how you go through that without your loved one and we were fighting such an uphill battle and not knowing what you're fighting and it's scary so thank you yeah. you know and i know i can't imagine you know what you're going through and you know, it's a huge dynamic. I don't think we even really think about, you know, that's like so out of our mind of like, oh yeah, people who are doing that, a lot of them moved across country to go save a life and didn't have their own support. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to highlight. Did you have a, like a favorite, least favorite part? I mean, if you could go through like your top like things of, you know, this whole experience, what was your favorite and least favorite part? Mm. My favorite part, um, aside from the margaritas to go, (laughs) (laughs) dream, um, I really, really liked the nurses that I worked with on the unit at this particular hospital. I can't even begin to tell you what these nurses go through on a day-to-day basis. Like just, we were there for a short time dealing with lack of supplies, lack of support, just sick, sick patients, overworked, underpaid. We were dealing with all of that and that's their life. And they just were the most stick together, upbeat, supportive of each other group. Like one thing that really stuck out to me about them is they 
I feel like nurses, we have a tendency to like gossip about each other. Oh, yeah. 100%. And We're talk so bad about that. Bad about each other or even talk down to each other to each other's face. Yeah. That was not a thing on this on this nursing unit. And it really was eye opening to me of just like how these nurses pulled together and how they were such a team and um, just cared not only, you know, for new travel nurses coming on the unit, but for each other. That's awesome. Um, So I actually like kind of learned a lot from them and it kind of made me change my approach toward toward my colleagues. Um, Yeah, I think that's so my. I love that message. Mm -hmm. I'm here for that because I do think that's um, banding together as nurses is really important. Yeah. And I think we can spread a little bit more of that. Oh, yeah. Throughout, you know, for, oh, we do things this way. Well, you know, or this is how, you know, we do it or blah, blah, blah. It's so, to me, like important, like the bigger picture of like, thank you for wanting to help me. Thank you for offering to try and do something, you know, like getting into a new mindset, like switching the gears a little bit and welcoming new nurses in a little bit more openly. I think so my my new grad experience you know how they say nurses eat their young that was totally my new grad experience it was just pure misery and when I left that hospital I kind of made a vow to myself that I would always like take up for support and be kind to new nurses because I knew what it felt like to be on the receiving end Mm -hmm. and so um I have found that that's not the case a lot of times, but it's something I'm kind of passionate about is nurturing the next generation of nurse of nurses. It's, you know, it's just so, um, yeah, it's, it's important. I agree. I don't feel like, I think I had a leg up on my first unit because one of my best friends was the reason I got married. I got hired there. But, um, when I started travel nursing is when I started feeling it a little bit when I was like, Ooh, that's like the mean girl thing that everybody refers to. And I started feeling it from, so I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, helping support our new nurses is really important. Um, did you have a least favorite part of this whole experience that you felt like was like, this is literally my moment where I'm like, this is what I hated about it. The le- my least favorite part about it was um, I even though I'm like a fly by the seat of my pants, gypsy kind of girl, I do like planning. Yeah. (laughs) There was no planning this. So between, you know, the staff, this one state agency that was contracted, my agency, I didn't know the first three weeks I was there, we didn't know if I was going to, my contract was going to get canceled. Like they were in such need of us, but I, I don't know. It was like always us or them. Like, are we going to get canceled? Are they going to get canceled? And so after a while, like of just living in that, just like uncertainty, I just was like, I, me being here is a blessing. I'm learning so much. Like this experience is giving me so much. I'm getting to help people. I'm every day that I get to spend here. I'm supposed to be here. Like I'm, I'm, I just think all things happen for a reason. Yeah, they totally do. And so I just kind of embraced that and didn't sweat it anymore. And you know, if I'd walked in and it was my last day there, then that was when I was supposed to leave. Yeah. Let it happen as I should. Absolutely. Did you have like a most memorable moment? Like what was your most memorable moment of this whole assignment in New York? 
my most memorable moment was um, I was kind of after that first week low. Um, a friend of mine came and she was going to be working at another hospital and just driving up to the airport to pick her up in my heart's rental car, which I'm not getting anything plug, for saying. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> I'm just like so grateful. Oh, it's I'm great. I'm so grateful. We'll keep plugging them. Thank you, Hertz. We love you. <laughs> and you love us. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went and picked her up, um, we just kind of looked at each other like what do we do and we so then we just ran up and hugged each other but we drove to central park and we were walking around central park and once again like it was completely empty and she and i just like had this conversation that i'll never forget and we just talked about like being right where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there and for the purpose that you're supposed to be there for and so um we every nurse that is a nurse right now is a nurse for such a time as this and that is just the message i want to send to all my nurses right now like this is such a special time in history and you being a nurse is intentional and it's you're supposed to be exactly doing exactly what you're doing right now so powerful yeah it is powerful yeah because i think a lot of um new grads and new nurses coming in are very you know worried and i think it's interesting that you bring that up because i agree I think this is a time when, you know, you step up to the plate and you love this profession and caring for people. And this is just, you know, this is a really special time in history to be working in healthcare, period. Yeah. I mean, as far as like working in this pandemic, how do you battle the feelings of like exposure? Like, how do you work through? Because, I mean, you're working in you know, a virus that we still to this day don't really understand the full scope of this situation. Like, how do you battle those feelings? Well, I think I have, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say it's unique because we're nurses, so we're kind of morbid anyway, but like, I was so morbid. <laughs> so morbid. So, so I have like kind of a morbid view of death and yeah. dying and, oh, yeah. you know, we're all going to die at some point kind mm-hmm. of view, mm-hmm. but I definitely have had my moments. So I'll um, give you a little secret. So when I first um, was going to go to New York, I called my recruiter at Fast Staff because they had posted these NICU positions and I was like, I want one. And she was like, okay, done. She offered me the position, I was going. And then someone called and was like, I just wanna read you um, this, this declaration thing that you just have to agree to verbally over the phone. And she just kind of went into some pretty like scary things. Like you could get COVID, you could be hospital, you could all, you know, all the, the realness, the of, realness it. of it. And so I was like, um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I, I can't. And I'm out. Tap out. And so she's like, okay. <laughs> oh, great. We're not doing that. And so I, I like was kind of sweating bullets in that moment. I took a day and I was like, what are you doing? Like you need to go do this and you don't be scared. Like you're not, I'm just not like a scared kind of person. Yeah. And so, um, I called her back and I was like, do you have any positions left? She said, we have one more. And I was like, I'll take it. Meant to be. So I did wind up going, but I definitely had my moment of cold feet. Yeah. And I that's, mean, that's very real. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, no one would blame me for doing that. Yeah. What is it like? I mean, fast forward to where you're at now. What is it like going into work now? Like, how do you feel coming back from all this and 
where are you at with that? I, I honestly wonder if this is how people feel coming back from war. Like, <laughs> I feel so dramatic saying that, but my girlfriend and I called New York Nam YC while we were there, like Vietnam. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like, yeah. in, at least from our perspective. Coming back, I just kind of feel like, I don't want to say invincible because I don't think that's right, but kind of just like, okay, I got this. I got this. Yeah, well, because you were in the the worst part. <laughs> you yeah. were in the worst. Yeah. You saw the worst. You experienced the hardest. And so it's I, like, it, for lack of, I know everyone keeps saying this, but this is our new reality. Yeah. It just seems like that's just easy now, right? Mm -hmm. What can you dive into maybe what you feel like you learned from the whole experience? Like, what do you feel like you learned? I really feel like I learned exactly what I was made of as a nurse. Um, I have done so many crazy things in nursing as far as assignments. And if I could say anything to young nurses, I would just say, say yes. Just say yes. There's so many opportunities out there. Don't be afraid to say yes to them. Mm -hmm. um, I've done strikes. I've done, I got to go to Hawaii and live there for eight months. I like, yeah, so cool. and all because I was just willing to just say yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so even with this opportunity, um, I learned exactly what I was made of as a nurse. This was the hardest nursing I've ever done in my life. I did things I did. I honestly did not think I was capable of doing. And I have 12 years experience as a NICU nurse. I kind of feel like I've seen it all. No. Yeah. There's always going to be a new frontier. There's a new level yes. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, as hard as it was, I feel like I was challenged and I came out on the other side and it makes me feel that much more powerful as a nurse. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Empowerment moment for you. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Um, so something I want to dive into a little bit because I'm really interested and I love polarizing topics and taboo oh topics. Gosh, oh, gosh. oh, here we go. <laughs> um, I want to dive into like social media and media in general about this situation. Mm. So ironically, it's kind of funny because for me personally, I kind of shut off from mass media. Mm -hmm. So because I was just kind of like over it. And I, you know, I feel like I met quite a few providers through this time and I really enjoyed listening to them and their frontline experiences and sort of what they were going through and learning from these doctors. But can you speak to your experiences with mass media and also social media as a nurse working in a pandemic right now? Mm. On the mass media thing, I would just say they need to do something because most people are... I. I don't know if this is probably a made-up statistic, but I found a statistic that said that about 11% of the population say they trust mainstream media. Yeah. So they really need to take a beat and wake the heck up, yeah. first of all. I also get all of my news from basically Instagram. Me too. Um, I do follow the Epic Times. Um, uh, one of the Facebook groups that really helps me a lot during the pandemic was um it was the COVID 19 for healthcare providers i believe is yes. the name of it was it you who told me about that it might have been me yeah i joined that and that was probably one of the most resourceful yes pieces i ever and to be fair i don't think that's open to everyone i think it was just for healthcare providers 
Um, but it was just really cool to be able yes. to compare notes with each other. Okay, so let's explain this because I don't think I've talked about this on a, a, any platform. So um, there were a couple different Facebooks that were started for frontline providers, um, and then there was specific ones for nurses via Facebook. And you had to apply to get in. Um, and, you know, once you were in, it was kind of crazy because I feel like the things that you were able to learn from someone, for example, in Italy and how they were handling it. And, you know, this is where, you know, we were learning about, oh, you can intubate with a box, you know, like a plexiglass box. And, you know, which is funny because in, in my head, I'm like, wow, we've been doing things, a lot of similar NICU things for a long time, like working through an isolate and, you know, how we intubate and prone our patients and medications they were using. But it was really cool to see real time suggestions coming through social media from actual providers. I could not agree more. Um, also, another unique thing about this time, like we're we're really hard on ourselves as we should be about how we've handled this pandemic. However, we have used the resources that we do have like social media. And I really, really do believe it's been like a catalyst for just new discoveries of treatment and how we treat these patients, just everyday people comparing notes on. And it's crazy because it's so crazy to me because this is where the medical field could meet the patient. Mm-hmm. or meet people, right, is social media, which is crazy. And do I think there's a right way to use it? Of course, but I agree with you. I think it sparked something. Some of the greatest providers that I follow now are medical providers, and they just day-to-day are updating how they're handling things. And, you know, I tried to share as much as I could through that time to be a resource to people of medical providers that I thought were really credible and were putting out evidence-based practice and accurate things and speaking to this disease process and the virus in the best way that they could. And it's crazy because I agree with you. I think that the use of social media for the medical field in that way became really, I think, beyond its time. Like we're finally coming up to the time. Like we're coming up to, yes, this is how we can use it. I hope it sparked a lot. I feel like it did. And I'll be very interested to see how like there's new legislation coming out on what exactly can be published on social media. And so I'm really interested to see how that plays out and how that will affect things like our ability to... Well, even now, um, one of the things that I loved, and I, I've shared it like a ridiculous amount of times on my um, Instagram platform, is <laughs> Lennox Hill. I'm obsessed. I, it's this series of, if you guys hadn't seen it, it's a series that follows four doctors who work at Lennox Hill in New York. And this is actually prior to the pandemic, but let's fast forward. They actually have one episode of the providers working through the pandemic. And I'm like, why are we not doing more of this? Like, this is what we need. We need people to see it, to understand it, to go through the ups and downs with us. Because without that, people don't understand. There's this curtain, right? There's this huge, like, healthcare curtain. And, but yet, we're all people. And we go through ups and downs with our patients. We have, you know, nothing is perfect, 
procedures, sometimes they don't go right. Sometimes you're going to the wrong provider. Some, and people don't understand those concepts of like, there's plenty of other doctors you could go out and consult someone else or, you know, procedures are not 100%. And that's okay. We need to talk about these things. We need to be more open. And it's interesting because I do think this time sparked a little bit more of that. Um, you know, prior, the only thing we really had was like Dr. 90210 and... <laughs> Um, or Nip Tuck, and I'm like, no, or the Nurse Jackie, which is, I'm like, is a horrible representation of the nursing field. But I hope that people are able to get a better picture of what it's like, which is this whole situation. I really hope this platform is able to speak to things like that you're experiencing, right? And nurses like you. So dabbling a little bit more into the social media or maybe mass media topic is the lovely topic of PPE. Mm. How did you feel about your PPE or maybe speak to that a little bit about working through the pandemic and your experiences with it? You know, the PPE situation was really interesting to say the least. Okay. I think a friend of mine captured it perfectly when she just turned to me one day and was like, where is all the PPE? Where <laughs> like, is looks it? at you cross-eyed and like... <laughs> Yeah. Where did we go? Yeah. You know, just, it was really shocking as a long-term member of the United States. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's Citizen. had everything at my fingertips. Yeah. That, you know, doesn't think about putting on and discarding a mask and, you know, yeah. to experience shortages of all kinds. Like, we went from the month before flying high on the cat's back economically to not even be able to get toilet paper in a month, yeah. you know, like just things like that were really supply hard. And mm-hmm. so what happened to all of our PPE? I really will be interested to see when the chips fall out from all of this, what we will find out because there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of missing information 100% and so you know why why was our supply cut off what or not cut off but you know why weren't we able to supply our front line with adequate PPE you know that's a common thread here that we talk about with during this whole pandemic why were they doing four million airplane flyovers when I was wearing a painter's mask in a COVID hospital like you know Mm -hmm. were you as far as like masks and gowns can you speak to what you provided or like how did they work it for you guys at the hospital okay so I will say um I was never without that's good okay I was never without Uh, one time so we were rationed three and 95s a week they that's better than a lot because I've heard a lot of people say one lucky if it was like twice a week right well that or every two weeks is what i'm saying like one you know what i mean or three or four until it wears out that was the policy okay was that you know they sent this email out we'll supply you with three got it in 95s a week they fitted me for two different ones because the first one they stopped getting a supply of and so i had to if i wanted an n95 i (laughs) (laughs) I had to go and get fitted for another one so I went one time to the, the, you know, the window where they give out the N95s and I was like, I need this N95 and they're like, oh, we're out of them. And I was like, That's okay, crazy. well, this is my backup one. And they're like, oh, we don't have that one either. That's crazy. And so I had to go up to my unit and I found an N95. It wasn't my N95, but I hope it worked. 
<laughs> yeah. I know. And I was talking about that with Vanessa, too, about how I think it's, I still think it's absolutely crazy that, you know, we're saying thank you for one mask. Like, yeah, we're saying thank you. And our standard prior to that was every time you go in and out of a patient's room, you don a new set of, you know, a new mask, a new gown, a new everything. And here we are, we're, you know, our standards have come down significantly. Yes. And we are used to a certain standard. We are. I um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I go on medical like missions mm-hmm. oh, um, I didn't know that. all over the, I mainly work in the Caribbean, but a lot of the countries I go to are developing. And so I see what these countries are that have some infrastructure of medical care, but it's very, um, it is very socialized and they're always having shortages of supplies. And so I feel like we got a little taste of that totally. with this whole COVID crisis of mm-hmm. what it's like to not have enough supplies and be rationed non-reusable yeah. equipment. Yes. And uh, just making it work. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not our best care. And do we want that? Yeah. You know? No, like, totally. So. Yeah, and it is a little crazy when we work when we live in the wealthiest country in the world and we're still dealing with it. And I still think it's crazy. I mean, here we are, we're in July. Mm-hmm. And this started back in February, and we're st- we're not talking about that in the media. It is not a topic. It is still not a topic, which is crazy to me um, because this pandemic is still not going anywhere. And it is still crazy to me that, um, you know, I work at two different facilities. Both of them, I get a mask. But I still work in rooms with patients with other disease processes. But I still have to wear that one mask in and out, which is, that's the standard right now, guys. Anyway, I just think bringing this to light is really important and to talk about it real. How do you feel like, how's COVID affected you? Like, how do you feel like, you know, your personal life, your work life, how do you feel like it's affected you? Um, I think it's made me, I'll tell you a little story about <laughs> how it's affected me. Let's talk. Um, my hero, my grandmother. Yeah. So she was, uh, I was coming, um, I was about to leave for New York and she was like, well, I want to see you um, this week because I'm leaving. And this was in, this was like the end of March. So the, the pandemic was really hidden. And my grandmother's 82 years old. And so um, I uh, was like, where, where are you going during a pandemic? And she was going to visit her 84-year-old sister who lived in New Mexico. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Scratch that idea, please. And so probably the only person that could go toe-to-toe with my grandmother is me. So I won. And (laughs) she did not go. Okay. Um, And then two weeks later, her sister, the 84-year-old sister, had a blockage in her intestines and had to be hospitalized. And so I was like, okay, I put my foot down with my grandmother and... And my, I'm sure that y'all are dealing with this. Other people are dealing with this with their elderly grandparents that are like, I've lived a great life. I'm I don't gonna, care. I don't care. Yeah. doing what I do. Oh, that's my grandma and my dad. Yeah. My dad's 80 and he's like, me. Yeah. I still want to go to the gym. I still, I'm like, 
Well, okay. I can't wrangle you back in, but I can tell you everything that I need to tell you. So the only way I was able to change her mind was I was like, okay, you're you're fine. You've lived a great life, but would you be able to live with if you got it and gave it to your 84 year old sister? And so anyway, so then two weeks later, her sister wound up in the hospital anyway, and she was fine and everything. But that was that was kind of a wake up to me. Like, okay, this is my grandmother's life. Like, I want to take it seriously. So just between that and um, social distancing for my family has been really hard because as healthcare providers, you know, we don't want to take this home to our families. And so I know that's been like a lot of nurses I've talked to have really been grappling with that, even ones that have children. I know. It's interesting because there are a lot of providers and watching some on social that I follow that do work true frontline with COVID every day. You know, they there's a handful that choose to live with their families, a handful that choose to live away from their families, you know, and it's um to it's hard because there's only so much life where you can live without the people you love, right? And you know, I I have had family members who definitely, you know, they want to wear a mask 24/7. They won't see me or, you know, we still we don't get hugs. But and and I will say I actually was kind of offended in the beginning. I was kind of like upset by that that people were so like didn't feel like they could come near me. And to be fair, I was working. I've always worked in two hospitals, but I've come to terms with the idea of like you know that's okay. They need if that's what they need, and they you know. And I agree in some respects because I still don't think we're doing enough testing. I still don't think we're, we're not handling this the way that we should be overall anyway. So I can't be mad about that. Absolutely not. We are, um, and the testing that we are doing, it's not even, it's not even accurate. I know. I know. Yeah, we, we talked about that with Vanessa too. It's not even 100% accurate, which is annoying. It's annoying. Um, if you, Switching Cares, could speak to... Um, healthcare providers, like upcoming healthcare providers, mm-hmm. not just nurses, but everyone. What piece of advice would you give them right now? I would say um, that being a nurse has been probably one of the biggest privileges and most rewarding experiences of my life. Um, nursing will take you everywhere you want to go. If that is to Hawaii, like me, or if that is to um, staying at home with your babies and working, you know, one night shift a week, nursing is just a, it, it, it's working for you to live, not living so you can work. It's just, it's a great job. It's a great career field and it will enhance your life. And so, so I know nursing school is hard right now, but stay strong. Yeah. You got a good life ahead of you. You know what's funny? Okay, so I was talking to my cousin, um, one of my cousins. She's really been struggling through this, right? Like the pandemic and just she's someone that really, she's kind of introvert, but she also, she really loves her community and her people and her family. And it's funny because I was kind of talking to her about, um, I've listened to a couple podcasts where they explain the idea of, our society's really gone into this 
sort of like selfish mindset, right? We, our grandmas were in the generation of you do everything you can for your family, sacrifice, do the job, put your head down, get it done, right? And then we moved kind of into the 80s where it was like materialistic, uh, me, 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 bigger is better, more is better, um, you know, sort of that huge wave. And what we went away from was the idea of people, of valuing people. And I think it's ironic because here we are as nurses and we actually in this time literally get to make an impact on people's lives right now, today. We get, we are the profession where I think we still feel that fulfillment of getting to connect with people every day. Like when we go into work, you can potentially affect someone's life positively, whether it's a coworker or a patient or a fellow doctor or someone. You get we have that privilege as nurses today. And I think maybe that's, you know, a piece of our society that's kind of missing, right? We don't have or I think we're going in that direction and I think we're swinging back to you know, community and, you know, trying to get, you know, source in locally and take care of your people. And I hope that's where we're going. But I think we have a privilege, like we literally get to work in a profession where we potentially affect someone positively, also negatively sometimes, but positively every day. And that's a privilege. And I think... Bring it, Tori. Yeah, honey. (laughs) I'm like, girl, this is where we're going, you know, and, and, and like you said, this is, I mean, I'm sure like you and so many providers are going to have so much PTSD because of this situation, right? Like I, I don't doubt the amount of things that you've been through and I know we only scraped the surface here today mm-hmm. with you because I know there's so many other stories you have, but thank you for sharing it. And, you know, I think it's really important for people to hear from from the stories of people who lived it and um and are making still making a positive impact on the world thanks for coming in today girlfriend i'm so glad you had me here oh my god okay so before we head out um two last questions Mm. if you were writing an autobiography what would this (laughs) chapter be titled let's go there Okay. Yes. This is another shout out to my friend Liz. Okay. Have you ever read the book Love in a Time of Cholera? No. Okay. There's a book called Love in a Time of Cholera. Okay. So she's the only other person I've met that's read that book. And so we had this <laughs> ongoing saying from when we were doing online dating during the pandemic Yo, to all the yes. ways. It became COVID like, kissing from a distance. Yeah. Okay. Got it. To when we were picking up pizza in Brooklyn. We. <laughs> My title of this chapter would be Love in a Time of Corona. Oh, (laughs) snap. Okay. Yes. I love Just because the love I found in New York for New York. Yeah. You're finding it in Pizza in a Time of Corona, everything in a Time of Corona. It's our time. It is our time. I love that. <laughs> Do you have a podcast, a Netflix, a book that you would like to leave as a resource for the audience? 
Okay, so one thing I binge watched while I Yeah, what are you binge watching while you're in between your shifts? Okay, so I know Tiger King was oh, yeah. king during a time of corona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this one friend of mine turned me on a money heist. Oh, it's I don't like, think we've seen that. Okay, money heist, it's a Spanish-made um, action series. Okay so good oh so good i don't i've definitely heard of it but i know we have not seen it but one that i watched that will like make you be proud to be american is turn okay i binged that show is this a netflix it's on netflix okay turn it's so good it's about george washington spies and the, the the funny thing about it was a lot a lot of the story is based on long island in new york and so on the one day I had off that I had the car, I went to Long Island and like oh. visited these people's graves because they were like oh, real cool. people. It was like, it's like a historical drama, but I couldn't believe the thing that I loved the most about it was I would be like, there's no way that's true. And I would check, fact check it. And it really happened. Like it was oh, recorded in history. Okay. It's super interesting. We need to watch that. J- um, Jacob's total history buff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we'll definitely we'd watch that for so sure. So good. Love that. <laughs> okay, so before we head out, where can everybody find you? Pimp yourself out. Okay, I um don't do Facebook, but I do do Instagram. Okay, fabulous. Chasing the Windy. Yeah, I love it. Come see me. Yeah, I will, <laughs> and I think it's a great resource. So if anybody has questions about travel nursing, oh yeah, nursing, absolutely. PM me. You're a great resource. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, can I give one, like, little tidbit really Please quick? Please do. So, for any nurse that's out there that's, like, facing being quarantined right now or lost wages, I want to tell you about an organization that is for nurses, and it was so good to me. It's called Nurse House, oh. and when I left New York, um, it's a nonprofit. Okay. When I left New York, um, my dear hospital that I love so much that gave me the leave of absence, they understandably were like, we would really like for you to quarantine for two weeks before you come back to work. Yeah. And so I didn't, you know, I wasn't getting paid during that time. And Nurse House gives quarantine grants. Wow. So it's not like a ton. Okay. Uh, because it's based Whatever. on what they've been given, but yeah. it definitely helped. <gasps> okay, so nurse, if you're we'll nurse out it. there struggling during this time, and you're you have to be quarantined, or you catch COVID, and you lose hours at work, and you know you don't have. Oh my money, god! Look okay, up that's nurse a house. great resource. Yeah. I'm gonna look them up. We'll link it in the show notes too. So if you guys swipe up, it's gonna be right there for yeah. you guys. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Thank you, Wendy. You're so full of tips. And oh yeah, if you ever have a question or like you're like, I don't know, <laughs> come to your girl Wendy because she will find you. She's got a guy. She's got, got a guy. guy. His name's she- Sal. <laughs> she, will- <laughs> she will hook you up with the latest and greatest. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much, Wendy, for coming in today. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Thanks for having me. There's definitely something that we have covered over the past two episodes that I feel is very important, our mental health. This time has been so crazy and for sure, I know so many providers who will be experiencing PTSD, some sort of anxiety. There's just this crazy level of uncertainty that we're all dealing with and so I wanna offer this to you. 
BetterHelp. So let me give you the deets. BetterHelp is making professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So literally anyone who struggles with life's challenges, anxiety, PTSD, all of the above can get help anywhere, anytime. Specifically, BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board licensed professional counselors. Whether you're looking for individual counseling, couple counseling, teen counseling, you can communicate your way into a therapy that works for you. And let me get specific about this. So you go online and you take a quick quiz and it takes you through a series of questions to personalize your experience. So you can get to a therapist who fits your needs. And let me tell you, this network is huge. They have over 7,000 accredited experienced counselors that will match to you. And you know how I feel about this. Mental health is worth the investment, not to mention the fact that this is more affordable than traditional counseling. So if you guys want to head over to try this out, head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfies, C-E-L-L-F-I-E and get 10% off of your first month. That's again, betterhelp.com forward slash selfie. Thank you so much, Wendy, for coming on the show today. If you guys are already not following her on Instagram, find her at Chasing the Windy. And we have linked all of her amazing referrals below. So love in a time of cholera. This was actually in Oprah's book club list. So definitely check that out. And then also we have linked the Nurse House nonprofit organization below. So they're actually running low on funds. And um, if you guys are able to, even if it's like $10, $20, Nurse House really offers a great opportunity to donate. And I want to let you guys know that we will actually be donating all the proceeds from the sponsorship of this episode to that organization. Frontline providers like Wendy should never go without pay due to quarantine. This virus has truly affected our frontline more than probably anything we will ever see in our time. And it's a small way for us to help make an impact Thank you so much, you guys, for being here with me today. This show would be nothing without you. I truly value you and your time, and I look forward to bringing you guys more selfie shows. In order to support the show, please head over to rate and review the show. Let us know what you thought, you guys. I love it when you get specific, when I get to hear a piece of an episode that you really loved, something that you took away from us. And when you guys do leave the review, you all know we started with some small selfie swag a while back. And so when you leave us a review, I really want to personally thank all of you. So make sure you leave your Insta handle and we will slip into your DM and send you our super cute stickers and our selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon. Make sure you're following us on our Insta at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtory.com. And per usual, you guys, swipe up check out those show notes below. It has all the information about our guests and of course our amazing sponsors. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Catch you on Friday.